Welcome again to another podcast of Risen Fellowship. We appreciate you uh, tuning in. And today I think we have an exciting uh, lesson to go through, one that's uh, been on the hearts of us as we uh, are trying to minister uh, through Risen Fellowship, not just in our own little uh, church, but throughout the world through these podcasts. And it's amazing uh, the things that God is doing through that. But uh, in Max Hart the other day, he said, you know, I think we need to do something that would challenge believers to start sharing the gospel. And just as soon as Max said that to me, man, my mind just started racing with different things. And and we do. I mean, when we look at the way we do church today, uh, we have the congregation that comes and assembles and sits in the sanctuary, and a few of the leaders get up and lead in worship, lead in uh, Bible study, and, and just a, a small fraction of that church is actually using their gifts, and the rest are just sitting there as spectators. And when you think about that, the way we're operating as a church, it would be like all of us getting inducted into the Army, and we all go through boot camp, and we graduate from the 13-week boot camp, and then we look at the leaders that have taken us through that and said, man, we really appreciate the time you've given us. Uh, We're going to go back to our home. We're going to go back to our families and to our jobs. Now, we'll just pray for you and support you as you go out and fight the war for us. Well, in a physical military war, there wouldn't be many armies that would win like that. We need all the uh, church to be mobilized, to be ready to share the gospel, and to be engaged in spiritual warfare because there is a darkness that is over our uh, country, over the world right now, and Satan is trying to do everything he can to destroy us. And if we, as the members of the body of Christ, don't get serious about engaging in the spiritual warfare of sharing the gospel, Boy, we're just going to lose everything that we have an opportunity. We've got to take the time. Matter of fact, one of the verses that came to my mind, as Max said that to me, was in Romans chapter 13, where Paul was writing to uh, the Christians in Rome, and he said, you know that the time, that the hour has now come. Uh, And it's time for us to wake from our sleep, for our salvation now is nearer than it has ever been before. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. So let us put off the works of the darkness and let us put on the armor of light. We have got to realize that we are light bearers in this dark world. And we need to penetrate the spiritual darkness that Satan has blinded the minds of the people around us and the only way we can do that is to proclaim and to pronounce the name of Jesus Christ and then let the power of the Holy Spirit do his work. And when I think of the armor of light, it always takes me to the passage in Paul also wrote in Ephesians about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. And if you're familiar with that passage of scripture, there are six articles of armor that Paul tells us that we need to have uh, about us as uh, Christians as we walk this world. And the one that sticks out in my mind about this is in verse 15 of Ephesians 6, and he says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's saying that we've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. And what do we got to be prepared with? We've got to be prepared with the gospel the gospel of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace. We've got to know what it is to talk about the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and and so many people feel like they are so inadequate to be able to share the gospel with other people. Today, that's what I want to talk to you about is 
How would you share the gospel with somebody? How would you turn any conversation you're having with a family member, a longtime friend, or maybe even an acquaintance you've just met? How would you go from talking about college football, the world, economy, uh, politics in the United States? How would you go from any of those conversations and turn that uh, into talking about the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, through the 30 years plus that I've been in the church, I've uh, been involved in many different kinds of evangelism program. The first one I got involved in was in the early 80s called Evangelism Explosion. And Evangelism Explosion taught us two questions that we would ask people that uh, would get us moving in toward a direction of a gospel conversation. The first question that we'd ask people is, if you were to die tonight, do you know that you would go to heaven? Well, that's kind of an intimidating question because most people don't want to think about dying tonight, and so they might get a little bit defensive about answering that question and not be very inviting. Uh, One of the things that I've learned recently is uh, when we share the three circles, uh, one of the questions we use to find out if we can get the opportunity to share the gospel is a simple question like this. If God could do a miracle for you today, what would that be? And can I pray for you in that? And if somebody has something on their heart that they really want God to do for them and they share that with you and they allow you to pray with them, then it makes perfect sense that you could follow up with a gospel presentation. And the three circles is a very simple way that you can even draw out a diagram for them and something they can remember, something they can go take and use. And if you would like to see a presentation of the three circles, just go to risen.church and follow the little five-minute video, and it'll teach you how to do the three circles. But I think one of the best ways that I have ever come across to turn a conversation to the gospel is what William Fay taught and does teach in his material called Share Jesus Without Fear. And Bill Fay says that the driving verse behind this to equip more of the uh, believers into sharing the gospel is uh, Philemon, verse 6. And it says, I want you to be active in sharing your faith so that you will have the knowledge of every good thing you have in Christ Jesus. And he teaches that the more we are actively engaged in sharing Jesus Christ with others, the richer our faith is going to become. And he has five simple questions that he uses. And if you go through these five questions, you literally uh, get to the point where that person you're talking to will literally invite you to share the gospel. And these five questions, he says, are like a meat thermometer where if you're cooking a roast, you can look at the outside by looking through the window in the oven and you can see what's going on on the outside of that roast, but you can't tell what's happening on the inside. These five questions, when you meet and talking to somebody, you can see what their life is on the outside, but you don't know what's in their heart. And if you use these five questions, it will be like a spiritual thermometer to find out where this person is and if the Holy Spirit may be working to draw them to Jesus Christ. And so you use these questions, and the thing of it is, what's one of the things that turn people off of Christians more than anything else? A lot of people that are out there in the world think that we're judgmental. And we're condemning people for their lifestyles and uh, critical of uh, their behavior. And he teaches you that as you're asking these five questions, don't react negatively in any way. Listen to the person because you're going to invite them to share where they're at. 
And so if you really want to be used of the Holy Spirit, you need to not only hear these, you need to make sure you understand where this person's coming from. So when you ask these questions, just simply shake your head, nod your head to them and say, uh-huh, okay, and don't judge their answers. And then just continue asking the questions. And the first question that he uses, and that you stop and think about whether you're talking about anything in the world, the first question he asks is, do you have any spiritual beliefs? The good thing about this is that's a, a very effective way of engaging a conversation because you're inviting them to share with you instead of you just trying to come in with a uh, you know full version King James canon of the Bible and hit them over the head. You invite them to share with you what their spiritual beliefs are. And most people will give you some kind of answer. And if they tell you they're an atheist, don't react negatively. Just say, oh, okay, and just keep talking with them. And then the second question after you ask, do you have any spiritual beliefs, is to you, who is Jesus Christ? Because you're asking them to see where they stand with Christ. And here you have to have some discernment. If they give you an answer about Jesus Christ, and though it's a good answer about who Jesus is, if they don't give you some kind of in, uh, some kind of signal that Christ is intimate in their life, and Christ is uh, uh, their own personal uh, relationship, then you might need to consider that the one you're talking to may not know Jesus Christ in a saving way. So unless they say something like, oh yes, he is my Lord, or he is my Savior, you might assume that they may not know Christ personally. And then the third question is, do you believe in a real heaven and a real hell? And that, again, just invites them to just share with you what they believe. And you need to listen real close. And again, don't be judgmental. Just simply go, oh, okay, thank you for sharing that. And then the fourth question is, when you die, where do you think you'll spend eternity? And when William Fay was at the church that I pastored for years and he was sharing this, he said one time he was on an airplane and he was uh, engaging in a conversation with a lady. And he asked her, he said, do you believe in a real heaven or hell? And she said, oh, no. She said, I believe those are fairy tales. So he asked her the next question, well, where do you think you'll spend eternity? And she looked at him without pause and said, well, in heaven, of course. And he's like scratching his head and said, no. Let me see if I get this straight of what you believe. You think you're going to spend eternity in a place that you don't believe exists. And she kind of shook her head and said, well, I never really thought about it like that before. That's the thing about these five questions. As you go through them, you're going to be able to determine where that person stands. And these questions may even help them to begin to understand what's lacking in their life. So it's simply, uh, do you have any spiritual beliefs to you? Who is Jesus Christ? Do you believe in a real heaven and a real hell? And where do you think you'll spend eternity? And when you've listened to the answers that that person's given you, you'll have a pretty good idea of what they believe. And if you're not confident that they know Jesus Christ the way the Bible teaches us about who Jesus is, then you can ask that fifth question. And this is the one, if you ask it in the right spirit, they're going to give you the permission to share the gospel with them. And that fifth question is, if your spiritual beliefs are wrong, would you want to know it? And again, I've never had anybody say no to that question. Bill Fay said he's had people say no to that, 
But he said, I've never had a no that sticks. But when somebody says no to him, he says, well, okay, thank you for just talking with me. I've had a great conversation with you. I really appreciate your openness. And then just drop it. Because if they don't want to hear, the Holy Spirit's not working and you're not going to do any good. But he said, I've never had a no that sticks. And a lot of times it's with people on a plane that he's just met. And he said, within five minutes, the person will come back and say, well, aren't you going to tell me? And William will say, tell you what? Whether I'm right or wrong. And so when that happens and that person wants to know, William Fay says, let the Bible speak for itself. Instead of you trying to explain to somebody what you have understood about the Bible and the way you interpret the Bible, which they could argue with them, uh, with you about your interpretation anyway, uh, William Fay simply has a marked New Testament of seven verses. And he literally will open that New Testament and he will open it to the first verse and he has it highlighted and he hands the New Testament to that person and said, would you read that verse that's highlighted out loud? And as he does that, he's doing it for two reasons. First of all, uh, Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 14 says, faith comes, or verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so there's something dynamic about a person not reading the word of God to themselves silently, but there's something about their own verse pronouncing the words of the Bible. And he said, I do it so that the spirit can work. But the second reason he said, I want to make sure that they're reading the right verse. They may be looking at something else on the page instead of that verse. And so when they read it, he knows where they're at. And when they get through reading the verse, he simply asks them, what does that verse mean to you? And again, now they have to wrestle with, this is what the Bible says, and then they are telling you what they believe that means. Now, if they give you some off-the-wall answer, the way uh, William Fay handles that is he simply says, really, you, you think that's what that verse says? Let's read that one more time and see if that's what that says. You just keep in, inviting them to read that verse until the Holy Spirit works with them to help them understand that verse. So there's seven verses that uh, Bill, Will, William Fay uses in Share Jesus Without Fear that will lead them to uh, understand the gospel, and then you can see if they, they're ready to make that commitment to follow Christ. There are many effective ways to be able to share the gospel. The three circles that I've referenced before. You can just take one verse if you want to, and that's Romans 6, verse 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you can highlight the key words of that one verse. You can talk about what wages are. You can talk about what sin is. You can talk about what death is. And then you can contrast that by talking about what a gift is. You can talk about uh, what eternal life is. And you can talk about how that eternal life comes in Jesus Christ. So with just one verse, you can explain the whole gospel. There are many effective ways to share the gospel. And what I'm trying to encourage you today is if you are a believer in Christ, you need to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need to have your mind uh, prepared to be able to give an answer of the faith that is in you in a way that communicates the gospel to other people. And I know that in, in our situations in churches today, there are a lot of people that go and they think that's the job of the pastor. That's the job of the paid clergy to be able to share the gospel and to take that out. Um, we've got to get the entire membership of the uh, church actively engaged 
and sharing the gospel. And in the book of Acts, um, we, we see when the, uh, Jesus ascended to heaven, he told, before he ascended into heaven, he told the disciples to go back to the room and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. When the Holy Spirit would come upon them, he said, then you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we see in chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. They went to the streets of Jerusalem, and Peter began to preach the gospel. And, and, and all of the uh, disciples were out there sharing the word. And, and the Holy Spirit was using them to uh, communicate the gospel in languages that they didn't even know. And it was, all these people were hearing the gospel. So it wasn't just Peter. It was all the church that was out there. But Peter preached that sermon, and 3,000 people were added. And we see where the apostles took a, a great role as you read through Acts chapter 2 through chapter 3 and 4 and 5. And, and you see where multitudes are coming to Christ and the church was really excited, but they were staying in Jerusalem. They weren't taking the gospel out into Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and, and that's what God wanted. That's what Jesus wanted. And so then uh, as Stephen preached that uh, message in front of the Sanhedrin. They got so mad at him, they took him out uh, of the streets of Jerusalem, out outside the city, and they stoned him to death. And because of that persecution uh, that came upon the church in Jerusalem, the church began to be scattered. And as they were scattered, not the apostles, the apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but as the church was scattered, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, that the church went out and they preached the gospel everywhere. And we've got to do something today that gets the membership of the church out of the walls of the church and quit sitting as spectators to watch worship take place inside the church. And we need to get the members of the church, they, we need to get them prepared with the gospel of peace so that they can go out and be ready to try to turn any and every conversation that they're engaged with family and friends and strangers to ask them if they know who Jesus is. So I hope that this is challenging. I hope, it, I hope it's also inspiring to realize that even as an old oil field worker, uh, I was able to learn these things and have them in my mind and to pray, say, God, give me an opportunity today to speak to somebody about Christ. And if we can do that, we can penetrate the darkness with the light of Jesus Christ by obeying Jesus' words and being willing to open our mouth and boldly proclaim the name of Jesus Christ because there's, the Bible tells us that there's no other name given on earth among men by which we can be saved than that of Jesus Christ. And if Satan keeps you thinking that you're not qualified, you're not educated, you're not worthy enough to proclaim the name of Christ, he's bringing the darkness inside the church. And let's shatter that darkness by being obedient to Christ. This also reminds me of a song that I used to listen to when I was younger, and it was the Doobie Brothers song called Taking It to the Streets. We need to have the gospel in our hearts, in our minds, and in our mouths to be ready to leave our churches after we've worshiped Christ and be ready, taking it to the streets, the gospel. To everyone we meet, let's look about the possibility of opening our mouths up and sharing the gospel with them. Now, if this podcast has been inspiring and challenging to you, we'd appreciate it if you'd take time to rate and review it and be ready to listen to other podcasts in the near future.